On this episode of the Jason Cabinets Experience, I was interviewed by my good friend, Aaron McCune of EaseNet. So I've been on other podcasts before. This is my first time being interviewed on my own podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Jason, to your own podcast. Thank you. How are you feeling about this? I'm feeling good. Have Have you been interviewed before on on your own podcast yeah. before? Not 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 on my own podcast. Podcast, no. Okay. All right. So so, so this will be the Jason Cavness experience featuring Jason Cavness, <laughs> which is which is pretty exciting. I think. Yes. Yes. So, so to start, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, give yourself just a little bit, you know, give yourself, give, give your <laughs> listeners your background so that they better understand who you are and how you, how you came to be where you are. Yeah. Doing this has always been difficult for me, you know, just being an introvert, you know, it was always like, yeah. you know, because basically you know, come to army, you try not to brag on yourself, but as an entrepreneur, you got to brag on yourself, right? And people yes. want to know your backstory. So no, I'm an NFJ retired Army officer. Uh, did 25 years in the military. Uh, born and raised in Texas. Grew up around Central Texas. Uh, well, one thing a lot of people don't know about me is um, well, two things people don't know about me. I didn't start. I didn't start talking until I was five years old. And then from wow. five to nine, I had a really bad stutter. Right. Even this day, it, it kind of messed my mind. Right. Because like I don't want. I don't like public speaking, but I do because I don't have to. Right. So that's always the back of my mind. Right. Especially like you're me talking really, really fast. That's just me trying like avoid stuttering, right? So a lot of people don't know about me. But then like, you know, I always knew public speaking wasn't my thing, but I, I've always been like, you know, took speech classes or speech in college. Um, I was a president of a university in college, you know, because it made me get up in front of people and talk. Um, and those people don't know about me. I, I actually dropped out of high school my sophomore year, right? Because uh, not because I was a smart enough, but, but I had a thing in, 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 in high school where before you'd be able to miss any days you wanted to, right? And beyond, I would skip all the time, right? I would skip school, not go to school. But like, I'm still making the grade. What doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Well, the second semester passed on the rule in the school where if you miss more than 10 days, you automatically like, didn't graduate, right? What? So, yeah. Are you, That's you, awful. Yeah, you, you, you automatically didn't pass the next semester, right? So they did like in March. I already had like 30 days miss, right? Like, and my mind said, I'm not going to go to school for March, April, and May and, and not go credit for this and just drop out and yeah. have a good time, right? Of course, sure. I should have probably stayed in, but yeah, but I still graduated <laughs> on time. Still went to college, that kind of stuff, you know, but it's always like, yeah, in the back of my mind. Um, some other things, I'm an INFJ. According to Meyer Briggs, and some people believe in Meyer Briggs, some people say it's outdated. According to Meyer Briggs, like INFJ, we're like only one or 3% of us in the world, right? So we're kind of like, Wow. Only on special club, right? And when I say like, um, like I don't like small talk. Like you go to a networking event. Do I really care? You know that you know your grandson plays you know t-ball. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Right? I'm not so small talk, but I love getting in front of people and talking. Right? It's like my thing to do. But having said that, once I talk in front of people, I gotta go somewhere recharge. Right? If yeah. that makes any sense. Absolutely. I, I refer to myself as an extroverted introvert, and it sounds like you're kind yeah. of that way too. Where you can enjoy being around people. You can enjoy interacting and speaking, but then you have to go and recharge back yeah. up. And like this, this is going to kind of sound weird, but like 
my preference, I could go to Starbucks or go to like bar, sit by myself, drink by myself, just observe people, right? I like mm-hmm. doing that, right? People watching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. So you grew up, you had a stutter for a number of years, didn't talk at all. So clearly having a voice has become really important to you then as you grew, right? And then, yes. and then what prompted going into the military? Um, so I had, so after high school, after college for a semester, and you know, I probably should not have went to college, right? I wasn't ready for it. And, and somehow I got, I got to the University of Oklahoma. I went there for a semester, didn't have good grades. So spend the next, next year living my aunt in San Antonio. This wasn't really doing anything right. This, mm-hmm. you know, what am I going to do with my life? So I got to do something right. And one day the military people came by and just, you know, just went from there, you know. It seemed like a great opportunity to do something in my life, you know. Of course, it was able, they, they said I could go to Germany, too. So that's another indicator, too. So, okay, let me go to Germany. Let me, you know, start a whole new life. Let me do something else because what I'm doing right now is not working. Mm-hmm. How long were you in Germany? So the first time I was there, I was there for two years. I was in a town called Gibraltar, Germany. It's like 10 miles away from Würzburg. Würzburg is like one of the big city, biggest cities. And probably the big, biggest difference, the first time I was there, I was single. The second time I was there for two and a half years and Gil was, you know, Wiesbaden in Germany. The second time I was married. So kind of a little bit different being in Germany, being single and married. <laughs> Not much, so just a little bit. What, what, what were the differences, Jason? Oh, you know, you can't, you know, when, you, when you're seeing, you just do whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. And when you're married, you got to know, kind of get permission, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like what? No, no, you can't go to wherever with your friends for a weekend. Your, your kids have a t-ball game or, you know. Yeah. How'd you meet your wife? So we're both from the same hometown. And it was funny. I actually graduated from high school with two, with two of her brothers. Okay. But we're like, we didn't start messing around until like in our 20s, right? Of course, they always joke around. Jace, I knew you were never really our friend. You just came over to school about our sister. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a bullshit friend, you know? You're like, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We, we all get along, though. We're all pretty close. I, I get yeah. along pretty good with my wife's family. Good. That's, that's important, especially if it's kind of a small town, which it sounds like it was. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like a hundred thousand people there. Okay. So not teeny tiny, but not a city or anything. No, no, yeah. by no means. So you, you went into the military, you know, in part to get to go to Germany. What, what was your role? What, what were you doing in the military? What? So the army, I actually did HR also, but the army is called uh, AG or editor in general. Why they don't call it HR, no one knows, but in the army it's called editor in general or, or personnel. Okay. Uh, and, and so funny story is, you know, you know, like you, people ask, well, why did you do HR in the army? And so, you know, you go to recruiting and you have to take, take a thing called the ASRAP test. Uh, ASRAP test determines what jobs you can get based on those kinds of things. Okay. And so I took a test and I, I told them, hey, I want to get it as soon as I can, right? You know, I don't want to wait like three or four months. I need to, get, get to go there like as soon as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had two possibilities. One was to be a thing called a parachute repairman, right? Basically, you know, people jump in the planes, you go repair the, the parachute, so much, so much stuff. It's so all the jobs. There's a video for the video for the, and also for the this first job, the parachute repairman. You can only be stationed. I think it was Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Fort Benning, Georgia, like in the South, hot mosquitoes, humidity, okay. right? Yep. And the video that showed was of the parachute people, it was like like a hundred dudes in a warehouse. And it was hot. Like you just see them sweating. It was hot. No, f- and remember at the time when I'm like 18, 19 years old, right? Uh-huh. So keep in mind I'm 18, 19, right? And I'm like, man, I don't know about this. Next, next video. <laughs> You're like, was, okay, what's, what's the other option here? <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And other option was HR. 
it was okay. like you know like um cute females and little like you know military uniform air conditioning office desk no computer people like being nice you know uh-huh uh, and an 18 year old jason's like yep, yep that's where i'm going yep Oh, and oh, by the way, you have to go to Germany. That makes it even better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Bummer, just, right? So there's no like, you know, study plan or, you know, anything like that. It's just, just happenstance or coincidence if there was one. Mm-hmm. And, and um, was that your experience once you stepped into that role? Was it air conditioned with? Uh, oh, no, you know? of course not. Oh, no, 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 nowhere, nowhere close. Nowhere close. Nowhere close. What, what, so, like, was, most, the, what was the real like, experience like? So like, you know, being, I was like enlisted the first time I saw my private. So every Monday you have to go to the motor pool, you have to do maintenance on the vehicles, whether it's raining, sunny, whatever case you got to do the motor pool stuff Monday morning. And then you go in the field doing field exercises, you're outside in the woods, the, you know, the extreme heat, extreme cold, you know, so just, you know, it's like typical army stuff, you know, yeah. and one bad thing about being HR, like you just have to do your regular job, right? So even though you're motor pool from like eight to 12 on Monday, Although you're supposed to be doing it, it's still there. And so you got to figure out how to catch up in your work, right? Either by yeah. skipping through lunch and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What, uh, what kinds of HR tasks are there to do? Like, what, what were you responsible for? So when I, when I fr- my first place I was at, I was, I was a thing called a zippers clerk. And it's like, it's like daily transactions, right? Okay, so say it one more time. Uh, what it's, is it? It's called a SIDPERS clerk, S-I-D-P-R, like a daily transaction clerk. So okay. everything the Army does, there's like a, a corresponding computer transaction. Like, like you know, suppose um, John Bob gets promoted from one rank to another rank. There's a transaction okay. that goes in. If someone, you know, every, everything the Army does is, is a transaction. So I would do all the transactions. And I was actually pretty good at it. I was already like right at the top. So I did that. Um, and, and, and another thing about people in the HR in the military, I think it's actually harder, right? Because in the military, every year, everyone's going to report, right? Um, mm-hmm. When you leave, you know, you're going to become a kind of reward, right? And it's all mm-hmm. this stuff going on. And another thing people don't realize in the military, like suppose there's like all these major commands, the army, suppose there's 10 of them, right? All those 10 commands send reports up to higher headquarters saying like why they should get these people, right? Like suppose there's like 10, 10 infantrymen, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all 10 can't go to every place, right? So these, they have okay. to say why it's important for them to come here, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of like personnel stuff like that goes on, a lot of politics and stuff. And every time, you know, big armors say, well, you're only going to get like X percent you want. They're, do, they're doing a peer, right? Which makes the process go even longer, right? Mm-hmm. So um, sounds like a lot of your job was spent processing transactions and then persuasive writing. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. And the thing about, about being HR, like every unit you go to is different, right? Like if you're in a medical unit, you got to learn how to do stuff like the medical people do. If you go to an empty unit, you don't have people, empty people do it. Air defense, you don't have the air defense people do it. And they all have the, com- have the common language, right? Like Fort Hood will have their own rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Fort Bliss have their own rules and regulations, you know? And, and then like air defense has the stuff they do things. You know, every unit is different, right? Finance, mm-hmm. AG, you have to learn this language that you speak, right? In order to, you know, get along and, you know, prove your words, so to speak, which can be difficult sometimes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What was, what was your favorite of the languages to speak? Uh, man, that's a good question. Um, I guess they're pretty much all the same, to be honest with you. Once <laughs> you learn it, you know. Sure. It's, it's pretty much all the same. Yeah. What, what was your favorite assignment? Oh, so... This is a funny story. So 
for my wife, her her favorite place was, was Germany. My kids were Korea, and mine was Venice. It was Vincenzo, of Italy. So we all, we all tried all different different favorites, so to speak, right? That's funny. Yeah, my wife liked Germany because she liked the weather there, the food. My kids like Korea because they were like my we went to my oldest was a senior high school, other kids like were in junior high and elementary school, and like mm-hmm. so we were so Korea for three years, just like being in the states, right? This way the thing set up. I mean, just think like thinking like a boy club and girls club, you know, on steroids, you know, that's how everything was, right? Everyone got along, all that kind of stuff. And me, mine was Vicenza, Italy, just because like, you know, I'm from Italy, you know, background is Italian. Mm-hmm. And we live like, a, we, live, we live like 30 minutes from Venice. Oh, and wow. We live like, ten, like, like, we live like 10 minutes from, from a winery, uh, five minutes. You know that stuff they make? Like, I think it's called Linux, all that, like that RT craft stuff, like the fancy dinnerware and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we, so we, we live five minutes from the uh, factory that actually made all that stuff. Oh, so, wow. so my wife has like, my wife has boatloads of like plates and stuff. Yeah, we and got yet, here. and yet, this wasn't her favorite. No, yeah, she, yeah, she loved Italy. I mean, she loved Germany. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so then, what what made you transition out of the military? So I had it in twenty five years, and and it was, it was time to go. My body was breaking down. I already said my body mm-hmm. starts breaking down. I can't physically do this. Time I would get out. You know. And be honest, if I had to do it over again, I, I would have probably done 21 instead of 25. The last four years, like, really kind of messed my body up, right? You can really tell mm-hmm. that we're until the last four years, right? Yeah. What, what, I'm, I guess I'm surprised that after 20 years in, they were still making you do all the physical, oh, yeah. manual stuff at oh, the yeah, same no level. Doubt. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Oh, it's another thing, too. Like, you know, like, if you're, like, if you're an officer or whatever the case it be, or whatever you need in, you, you have to do all the stuff your people are doing, right? So, like, Pose of you no, know, they're going to do like a 10 mile road march where you have to do it too, right? Mm-hmm. Even though, like, the road march, like, you know, from, we'll say from four in the morning to seven in the morning, and you got to meet on the gym at eight in the morning. You got to figure out how to do this road march, how to prefer the meeting, all that kind of stuff, right? So you're doing everything that people are doing. And, and some of it is that kind of like idiotic, right? I remember one time, um, I didn't have a broken foot, but I had a, something wrong with my foot. It was really bad, right? Mm-hmm. I just, you know, like, you, 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 as an officer, you're not going to, you can't be like, okay, my foot hurts you, right? Because you look weak, right. you know, and other kind of yeah. stuff, right? It, it, is it bad? Maybe it is, maybe it's right. So what do you do? You pop these, you, pop, you know, pop ibuprofen, you know, you suck it up, you do it. And then you deal with the consequences later, right? right? But, deal with the fallout but, later. Yeah, yeah. Then how bad was it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, it, it's going to sound weird, but it's bad and good. It's bad because you're like, man, this really sucks right now. My footers, but it's good because you're there with your people. You, you bond, you bond as a team, right? You know, you know, everyone has your back, no matter what, and you, you depend on yourself. You need it, right? Absolutely. Okay, so then you're there for 25 years. You step away. Then what? I mean, you're kind of starting over at that point, right? Because you've gone yeah. all the way from 18, you know, and and now yeah. you're you're suddenly coming yeah. into an entirely different style of of world, right? Yeah, the transition is definitely hard. A lot of military people have trouble transition. Like there's a there's a there's a stat out there that says like eighty five percent of the people who get out of the military have two jobs in two years. There's many very many reasons for that. One reason yeah. a lot of people when they get out they're not, they're not economically ready, right? A lot of people get out. Yeah. I'm getting out, and they go buy a house or buy a brand new car, right? Not realizing that they're gonna lose like two thirds of money, right? So that's one reason. So a lot of people take a job that is really not a good job for them, but they have to take, they have to make money, right? So that's for a reason transition is kind of bad for a lot Got of military it. people. And then, you know, of course, you know, the other side, a lot of people in the military, they're like, you know, I'm this Frank, I did this, I should do the same, bro. 
even though you might be like, we'll say like a HR director, criminal or military, you probably get the same job in civilian world, right? Cause like, you know, you're not going to go to Microsoft and become an HR director after that, right? I mean, probably not. Just like no one's going to join the military from the HR director of Microsoft becoming like a general, right? So it works both ways. And another challenge with the military and just a lot of people in the military also like we're all like A plus personalities. Like there's this like stereotype, you no know, checklist, do get things done, all this kind of stuff, right? We're hard chargers. Mm-hmm. A lot of us go to the new job and like, kind of like push it too hard, right? So like taking a seat back and relaxing, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Trying to push too hard and then you wind up Trying to prove their work. Yeah. And so perfect example, my first job, I worked at a company called Trident Seafood of Alaska as the HR manager, right? As a seafood plant. Okay. And I, I was like, man, I'm, I'm not going to do everything. I'm like, I'm going to take slow my road, do this stuff right, you know? And even with me, like what I thought was like going slow, the boss got with me like 30 days, said, just doing a great job. But can you uh, slow, I need for you to slow down because people complain you're making them look bad. <laughs> I thought to myself, dude, like I'm like 30% of what I usually <laughs> you're do. Like, right? You're like, I was already on my slow speed. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Yeah. Do you want me to like work day on, day off? Like, you know, yeah. So it's definitely a change, right? Between, you know, military says, you know, do it now, get it done, whatever the cost may be, you know, or, and a lot of civilians are, okay, let's take our time. Let's think it through. So it's, it's definitely a challenge, you know, if you're not ready for it. Yeah. So for the people watching, like what advice would you have for someone coming out of the military after a long period of time and stepping into a civilian job, what, what advice would you have for them? So what's our difference when you're looking for a job, you know, obviously you use stuff like LinkedIn, social media, um, and obviously network, right? But a lot of military people do networking wrong, right? I did the same thing, right? Because the military have all these job fairs, right? All the networking stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But if everyone there is in the military, how are you going to have each other find a job, right? Go to go where you're the only military there. Like go to a rodeo club meeting, go to Toastmasters, like go to a chamber of commerce, go to a place where you're the only one there, right? That way you'll stand out and people want to talk to you. You're a veteran, people don't want to talk to you, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to go to a place where you're not. Because a lot of these military job fairs that are on base, they'll be like, you know, like financial advisor jobs, like, mm-hmm. you know, security jobs, military related jobs, jobs, the military, at least the military, right? If you want to do something different, you got to, you know, go somewhere different, right? And of course, that's easier said than done because you really can't network while you're in the military because like you pretty much working for like 6.30 or 6 o'clock at night. And most military base, like Fort Lewis, like we're like an hour away from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Fort Hood is like an hour away from Austin. Like most military bases are like an hour away from like the city you're supposed to be at, right? So are you really going to like work all day, drive to Seattle for, you know, network, come back home at midnight, you know, maybe later, you know, you know, and then of course you got to explain to your wife or your husband, why are you going to Seattle again? Like once yeah. a week? Are you kidding? Are you really? Are you, are you doing this right now? So it's really hard to network, right? And then another challenge too, like a lot of companies that have these, these goals, we're going to hire like 20,000 military people in five years, which is all brand and good, you know, all good, right? But however, none, Starbucks came back and said the numbers, but usually come, they'll come back and say, no, we hired you know, 4,000, 10,000, you know, we're going to get better, right? But Starbucks, for their credit, they, they came back and say, we only hired 45% of the goals, so how we're going to fix it, right? And like everyone wants to hire veterans. But still, you have to be qualified to do the job, right? Mm-hmm. If the job calls for a master's degree and five years experience and, you know, whatever, you have a high school diploma and you take a certificate, you're not getting the job, right? You have to be qualified. And I don't think a lot of people, veterans get that, you know? And, you know, and there's a, a stereotype against the military too that's still out there, right? For example, when I, when I got out, I had a phone interview for a job at a big corporation. And they said, hey, the recruiter said, hey, I know you applied for this job. 
but you really, we don't want to talk to you about the job below it. I said, can I ask why? Oh, because the job you apply for has like five, um, five direct reports. I like, you know, like I'm retiring as an officer. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I broke it all down, you know, who I led, people, direct mm-hmm. reports, all that kind of stuff. Well, we understand that. You appreciate it. But, you know, here at our company, we let our employees give us feedback. I know the army, you don't let your people give you feedback. I'm like, what? You know, so that mentality is still out there, right? And, and so you got to fight through that sometimes, you know. And, and know the bad stereotype, you know, they think everyone has PTSD. You know, a lot of people do have PTSD, but PTSD, but doesn't mean that every minute they're going to go off and like start, you know, something bad, right? Yeah. So it's still a lot of stereotypes, but networking is the, is the biggest thing, right? Um, and one thing I tell people again now, if you can, like take a break. Like most people like me, I started my post-army job when I was still on vacation in the military, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, only, you know, your economic situation, if you can take a month off, take a two-month break, like decompose, de- uh, what's the word for it? Decompress. Yeah. yeah, decompress, you know, hang out with your spouse, do stuff, you know, you know, get out of the military mindset, you know. But of course, that's, you know, easier said than done for a lot of people. You know? A lot of people got to get a job right away, right? Mm-hmm. So you went um, from the military, you went to, you said it was like a seafood company? Yeah, Trident Seafoods, yeah. Trident Seafoods. Um, and, and you did HR for them. What, what were some of the similarities? What were some of the differences? What were some of the aha moments as you stepped into seafood so HR? This was, this, was, this was an aha moment, right? So when I got there, like, so I tried to see for the head, they had all the HR people at the corporate headquarters in Seattle. I was like the one of the first to actually go to, 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 to see the seafood plants on the Lucent Islands, right? They had like, I think I want to say 30 seafood plants in like Sandpoint, Alaska, Akachan, Alaska, Ketchikan, all, all the uh, Lucent Islands, Alaska, right? Yeah. So my first day there, I had at least a hundred people in my office, right? Wanting to complain about the managers. I mean, there's like a hundred people lined up to see me to complain about the manager, right? And the most common complaint all the time was, you know, my supervisor was yelling at me and I don't appreciate it. And he demeans me as a human, as a human being. And I would always say, well, let's think about this. See, yelling at you? Did he, did he humanize you? Or is he yelling at you loudly because you're down there in the product production line with all the machines on, you have your safety goggles on and he's yelling at you to make sure you, he hears you. Oh, I didn't think about that. And, it, you know, just like, okay. And a lot of us like, and a lot of us it's like communication problems, right? A lot of my deal at Trident was like dealing, handling communication problems, right? Because a lot of the supervisors were like, were like a Filipino. They're kind of soft. Mm-hmm. Never They're kind of reserved, you know, quiet spoken. And a lot of workers like from, from Kuwait or Ethiopia, no loud and bushes, right? They're like in your face, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this communication problems, you know, of how each culture communicated. So, you know, that's a big thing we had to get through. I'll solve, so to speak. So what were your magic, uh, magic ways that you helped? I I would always try to put them, put them in the other person's shoes, you know, like, you know, this is how they do things over here. This is how you do things here. Like you got to open up your your mind to doing different things, you know, try to be, show them how to be empathetic, so to speak, you know, like, Hey, so you've been doing this for like eight years. This guy's been here for two weeks. Like, do you really expect them to like know everything you do in, in eight weeks, in, you know, two weeks, you know, those kind of things, you know? Yeah. And then did you go straight from Trident Seafood to building Cavanus HR? Or was there something else in between? Yeah. So in between, I, I was a, a HR director for a local college called Highline College. I did that for a year also. So when I, when I was at Trident in a Highline, I, I was working at Cavanus HR like part-time, right? Like doing research, interviewing people. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I did... um. After I left Holland, that's when I went full time in a uh, cabinet HR. Got it. 
And so were you teaching classes at, at the college or you were the HR person for the college? I was, I was HR director there. Uh, Got it. And that, that's a different challenge because Highline College, so like first week there, you know, you observe and checking stuff out. I seen this person, they print out, they print out a document, right? I saw some print out, go to print to get the document. They start like making pencil and ink changes on the document, right? And then they put the document on the computer, they start typing the document. I was like, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm retyping the document. So let me get this right. You printed it out. You made pen ink changes on the document. Now you're typing over again, right? So yeah, why are you doing this? Oh, this is how we've always done it, right? Do you know what Google Drive or Dropbox is? No, what is that? So I saw what Google Drive was. It was like- mm -hmm. Life-changing. No, yeah. Oh man, this is great. When does this come out, Jason? Uh, like maybe 20 years? Like, are you kidding me right now, right? And that's how I learned that in the education field, they're very, very slow to like, you know, adapt tech and like change ways. They're very, very bureaucratic. It's like, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. So what was, what was your impetus um, through this in, in starting Cavanus HR? So we'll, we'll, we'll um, rewind a little bit. So when I got out of the okay. military, you know, they tell you, you know, find a job, back to Army side, use LinkedIn. Like, what's the LinkedIn, right? I have not just this. So you're, I'm on LinkedIn, connect with people. And so let me go back and again. So some more advice to people getting out. So this is what I did when I got out. And I, some things I did good, some things I did wrong. So when I got out, I said, okay, I got to find a job doing HR. I, I know when I live either in Seattle, Dallas, or Austin or San Antonio, right? Okay. So I went on LinkedIn. I did a Boolean search. Mm -hmm. And I found all the HR director, VP of HR in those cities, right? And basically sent a, a generic, not a generic, but like a personalized email saying, hey, I'm, I'm Jason, retired from the military, you know, blase, blase. You know, they say, you know, they'll pump up your people just talking to make them sound good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Can you give me advice on how to transition from doing military HR, the military to HR in this very right? HR in this very award. It's like, of the two, like 50 people answered. And from that, I got my first job. But wow. what I did wrong was, like, if I'm an HR director and someone emails me and they want an HR director job, how can I really help them, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to give you my job, right? <laughs> I should have I reached out to companies I want to work for, reached uh -huh. out to those, like, chief operating officers of people operations. I mean, I should have done a mixer, right? Mm -hmm. And so another mistake I did, so I tried to see if I got my first job. And so they told me in June I was hired, right? I said, mm -hmm. we'll get back with your pay, whatever case may be. And I stopped looking. I should have kept looking because... I still had my offer letter. It's like the day before I left, right? Oh wow! And, and they and the at first they said they're gonna be ninety thousand. They changed it to seventy thousand dollars, right? But then I had no choice, right? I thought, okay, I'm supposed to leave. I didn't look for a job. You know, I kind of effed myself, right? So advice: I don't care if you have an offer letter, where you have to be, keep looking for a job mm -hmm. because you never know what will change, right? So that's a hard lesson learned from me. Um, and that's I'll, an I'll, expensive I'll lesson too. Yeah, very expensive. Yeah. Uh, and let's say if you get a job you like you should always at least every six months look for another job right like I'm not saying like advertise it or put yourself out there or like but every six months put yourself out there right Apl apply for jobs right so it's like one thing that surprised me when I looked for a job in 2015 it would like it would like drive me batshit crazy like you apply for a job upload your resume next next line type in everything that's on your resume this application <laughs> like are you, are you kidding me right now right and yeah. people are still doing that to this day, right? Which I don't get. And like a cover letter, so I'm not a big fan of cover letters because my thing, this is 2022, not 1982. And people would say, well, you, they want you to put in a cover letter because they want you to know how much you want the job. Um, did me applying, tell you how much I want the job, right? Like, 
like that, is that an I, indicator? I, th- I feel like cover letters tend to humanize people a little bit more, right? Because yeah, it brings but, a little color, you know, in the same way, like when you go and pitch Kavnis HR, mm-hmm. it's one thing to have your pitch deck. It's another thing to be in, able to actually articulate. I mean, I, I see a point, but with, 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 with portfolios and social mm-hmm. media and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, this is like an extra step you don't need. But that's I mean, true. Yeah, another thing too, like uh, I'm talking about, we'll go with the resumes. Someone asked a request on LinkedIn like, about a month ago. And they said, well, hey, my daughter wants to start applying for jobs. And she wants to use her picture on her resume. She should use her picture, right? And like 95% of people say, oh, no, only use a traditional, traditional black or white resume. Don't do anything extra. I'm like, I put on there like, you know, okay, this is 2022, right? She used to do the resume she's comfortable with telling her her, her story to, right? Because like, yeah. like, you know, like I say resume is just like pitch decks. You give your resume to 25 people, get 25 different opinions. Give your pitch deck to 25 people, get 25 different opinions. What, what, what case you uh, apply to a resume? So I'm sure tell a story, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to realize everyone has bias, right? I, I know some people like, if it's not black or white, they're going to look at it, right? I know the people has to be a certain way, but you don't know that until you know what the hiring manager right wants. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you go networking right. And there's so many ways out there. It's like it's like hiring is always a disconnect, right? And I think the reason for the disconnect is because like if you if you you look for a job, you need a job right now, usually, mm-hmm. right? And most people who are employers when they're hiring, they can take the time. Well, we just lost John Bob, but let's take our time. You know, other people fill in. You know, so I'm looking for a job. I need a job in two weeks. You look at a hire, but you can wait three or four months, right? There's always this dis- disconnect, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and then and then back to the rest of the story. Yeah, um, okay. So how I, got, how, <laughs> how, how, how I started Kevin's HR. So yeah. when I was looking for a job with Kevin's HR, this guy reached out to me, you know, named Mark Monroe. Said, "Hey, Jason, I have a startup called Mindfold. We want to help a uh, college graduates, military veterans find jobs, but doing skills tests because, you know, we don't believe the resume really help y'all, y'all those demographics find jobs, right? We need, you, y'all need to sell the skills to get, get, the, get the jobs, right? Sure. Can we meet in person? You tell me how the Army helps you and other people find jobs after you get out. I said, yeah, no problem, but can I ask you a question first? Yeah, what is it? What the fuck is a startup? Like, I had no <laughs> clue, no concept. Like, you just don't start a company. Like, that's not allowed. Right. Like, all the companies in the world already exist, right? What are you talking about, right? You know, he laughed. We met, he gave me like a, like a dummies for startups class, right? MVP, lean product fit, you know, all the tech stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're talking, I was like, hey, Mark, you never seen anything about HR? Oh, HR, like, we don't do HR until way down the road, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to do all the stuff first. No light bulb goes off. Mark, you know, this startup stuff seems pretty interesting to me. It's like, it seems like we're getting along pretty good. You said, let me join your startup and I can do, you know, learn this stuff and do HR for you day down the road. So let me think about it. But me, you know, being like the military person I am, I pretty much hired myself, right? I still go to meetings, just doing stuff right, and pretty much as, as part of the team. Yeah. Um, interesting side note, the person who did our design for us, the person who did our um, marketing for us, both graduated from high school, my daughter in Korea. So that's a pretty cool dynamic that, that we've never learned that. Mm-hmm. But like back to mine, for like most stars, you know, he didn't make it. I was there for two years. I learned a lot of stuff. Like I said, I did everything except for code and design, right? I learned how to you know, do social media, business development, sales, blase, blase, networking, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I really learned how the tech network here in Seattle worked. During the two years, like, man, none of these startups will ever HR. Maybe this is a business I can do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they tell you, and, again, and then I did like a small pivot from this startups, like companies before, not a few people. Like most startups are funded, like, you know, you can't do this for free, right? You got to get some kind of money, hopefully in the future, right? Yeah. So I did it from 49 a few people. And why the reason in the 49, HR, all the complicated stuff starts at 50, right? Like the, yeah, 50 had to have benefits, FMLA, all the stuff is on track. So 50 is kind of like the, 
the the point for HR. So I, I want to keep it at 49 for now anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, then they you know, do research. According to the Small Business Administration, there's like five million companies, US of 49 or fewer people. Most don't have, don't have HR. Cause you know, a person like me is gonna be like 50,000 or more per year plus benefits. Can a small business afford that? Probably not, you know. And then you have the HR consultants, you know, like I say, overturn the price and delivering value. And I, I like to say, we want, we want, that's where we want to put our business first, right? Mm-hmm. Cause like they'll come to you and say, hey, you know, Aaron, uh, you know, pay me $300, I'll consult you on HR. You say, okay, fine, good, okay, I'll pay you $300 an hour. Mm-hmm. And they do all of your HR stuff. Hey, Aaron, like you don't have employee handbooks, you don't have HR policies, you don't have this, you don't have that. You're like, oh, oh, great. Like I already knew that, you know, I kind of know what's going on in my business. That's how I hired you. When, when are you going to start making this stuff for me? Oh no, I don't make anything for you. I just, I, you know, I just consult you, right? So you're a small business, going to pay someone $300 an hour, but they're going to tell you what do you know. To me, right. it makes no sense, right? Yeah. And then of course they tell you, you know, you know, a valid idea. So over a six month time period, I talked to 331 people. It was more complicated than this, but no, like, you know, would you pay for HR if you wanted? What do you want from HR? That kind of stuff. And of course, I literally talk to, talk to people all the time, you know, at least two or three people a week by Kevin's HR and still get the idea of validation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, let's get, just going from there, you know, and as you know, like being a, being a non-tech founder and a tech company, it's like the really, it's, it's very challenging, right? I've been through so many people. I've, I've done the intern thing, the outsourcing thing, pay people thing, co-founding thing. It's, it's, always, it's always a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. I often think myself, man, if I do it over, I, I should learn how to code. But then what I really want to learn how to code, right? Do I really have the time to code and something I have no idea how to do? So it's, it's being a non-tech founder is definitely a challenge, right? But, but you, know, you got to figure it out and, 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 and put a product out there, right? Because people want to see your product, especially if you're raising funds like us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the days are gone where you just have an idea. Oh, that's great. Now with basically all the free stuff, free AWS, free Google Cloud, all this free stuff out there. Like, you mean you can't make a simple schematic? You can't make a, a simple like um, product design website or something? No, then we just see something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the good news is there's all these no code tools that have yeah. come up and, you know, websites that are plug and play and that kind of stuff. But you're absolutely right. You know, it, People expect to see something out of that at this point. So, yeah. And what's, what's the go to word traction? Like traction, what does that really mean, right? Does it mean you have like 10,000 followers on social media, 10,000 followers on an email newsletter? You have 20 paying customers, 20 users? Like, and of course, the default, like the thing, like most of us are like the default is like, what do you, whatever you don't have, that's what you want, right? Oh, that's great. You have 100, 100 users, but none of them are paying, right? <laughs> or well it's great you have great you have three paying customers right but you have no users you know right yeah but i i think that's a lot of how people try to tell their story right so that's very true yeah so for a company that has let's say 10 to 20 employees what does cabinets hr do for them like what why would they hire Cavanus HR? Why would they pay you guys to, to provide your software? So, so what we do and we do it for the regardless of size of the company. And so we, we, we break the pricing down with like different, different, different spheres. So first sphere is one to 10. Mm-hmm. What we do is uh, we do employee handbooks, HR policies, job descriptions for you. What we do differently is like most HR companies, they send you a template. So if you're a restaurant in Dallas, tech company in Portland or towing company, like we'll say Denver, mm-hmm. they see the same template, one size fits all right. But HR is different everywhere you go. Like instead of Washington, Seattle is different from Tacoma. To, Seattle, Tacoma is different from the rest, rest, rest of the state. I know, I, I remember correct, Portland and Eugene is different from the rest of, rest of Oregon. Like in, in Texas, 
Dallas, Austin, and San Diego are different from the rest of the state, right? So, mm-hmm. you have, so what we do, when you first sign up, we, we have you answer a set of questions. So on the set of questions, you have to give like a, a, a welcome message, like, hello, thanks for joining the company, blah, blah, all the great unicorn and rainbow things, you know. You have to tell He's us what, what pay, what pay, yeah, you have to say what pay holidays you're going to give, you know. Uh, there's different questions like that you have to answer. And then based on that, we give you a handbook of policies based on your um, location industry. And, and the, so the handbook is usually, a lot of people handbook is for, you know, oh, don't do this, do this, you know, compliance. Well, the handbook actually should be more for culture, right? In your value. What kind of, what's important for you as a company, right? What kind of culture mm-hmm. you're going to have? And so the employee handbook is like kind of vague in a way. HR policy is going to be more detailed. And a lot, a lot of stuff, nothing under the handbook, people don't realize, I don't think like 80% is going to be, you can't change, right? Because you can't change the EO law in your location, right? right. You can't change different things because of the law, right? It's, and with HR policies, it's kind of the same thing. Some ones you have to have, like you have to have an EO policy, you have to have a policy, but like you might want to have a, you might not want to have, a, you might may or may not have a jury duty policy, right? You might have a policy that says, you know, I'll pay for everyone doing jury duty, or you might have a policy that no one, I'm not going to pay for that, right? Or you might have a policy that says everyone has, everyone gets time off for parent teacher conferences, or everyone gets two weeks off for, you know, funerals, you know, there's all these, all these things you have to make. And it takes time to begin. Once you make them, it's all like, you know, muscle memory, right? And they're also going to do, do onboarding for you, for your, for your employees. And like I say, like not to talk politics, but regardless of your thoughts, immigration, any kind of stuff, if you hire someone working in the United States, have you authorized to work here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's done through your I-9. So when you hire someone from three days, you have to fill out the I-9 form and give you like either a passport or driver's license. And then you have to verify they work in the United States. Mm-hmm. And same thing, they also do onboarding for contractors. And then we do what we call response to HR advice. And the plan is all this to be on the platform. So response to HR advice might be my contacts is to say, hey, Kevin's HR, um, Tom hasn't been to work in three days. Can I fire him? And we'll say, okay, give me a And we do the research. Okay, I'm making this totally up right now. We'll say, okay, you're in Denver, Colorado. You can, you can fire him whenever you want to. Or mm-hmm. you live in you know, San Jose, California. You got to do these three, four steps before you go fire them, right? Because each, each state has this location. And then, not to talk policy, policy again, but usually the more liberal or more democratic or more progressive state is, the more HR laws they have, right? Like mm-hmm. California, Washington, York has way, way more stuff as far as HR versus a state like Texas, Idaho, and Kansas, right? So your location has a big thing to do with it, too. Um, and another thing you might ask us hey, Kevin's HR, Susan, you know, she's been with us for six months. She's really not working out. You know, I get, we get complaints about it all the time. She's toxic. She's failed two performance plans. And she's actually agreed to leave. And, you know, we're going to pay her some money to leave next week. Everything's signed and dotted. She told us the day she's pregnant. Whatever we do, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some people will say, well, she, she signed it to let her go, right? But, you know, like, you have to realize someone, maybe not her, but someone's going to go on social media and say, hey, you fire this pregnant female, right? It, can, it might not even be true, but someone's going right. to say that, right? And how do you protect your branding? Maybe you keep on for a little while. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying not to let her go, but you have to... Be I think cognizant. HR, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's well, HR. So you're to do the branding stuff sometimes. And, and I think that, you know, what we've seen with social media is that mishandling HR can be extremely damaging for yes. a brand. No doubt. You know, and it and it really can just be one incident that blows up and and captures the the greater attention of the world, and all of a sudden, yeah. Perfect example. Do you remember some? This happened a couple years ago, I think. So Snapchat 
their head of HR was actually a retired colonel, right? He, he did no okay. HR in the army. They had head of HR as a head of HR. And supposedly he was spending all the day like telling war stories, like gruesome war stories, all the Snapchat employees, like really like gruesome stuff, like, you know, how people got killed and you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And like, how's this guy doing HR, right? And of course it blew up. And then, you know, I think, I, I can't remember what happened to that guy. But I know they got a, a lot of bad publicity out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So in that same vein, like what are some pitfalls that companies can face if they don't deal with some of this HR stuff, if they don't handle it correctly, other than being shamed publicly? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I tell people like, the government, whether it be local, state, federal, does not have enough resources to go to every business every day and inspect what you're doing right and wrong, right? But eventually they're going to get around to looking at your stuff, right? But it usually happens, and this happens all the time, uh, let's say you have an admin assistant and the admin assistant gets 30 minutes of phone every day. And you're like, hey, are you going to go to lunch? Oh, no, I'll eat, I'll eat lunch here at my desk, right? And it goes on for like years, right? Mm-hmm. And then everything's peachy keen, you think. And then they put them for a raise. You say, well, I really can't afford a raise right now. Maybe next time. And what happens all the time, oh, I've been working through lunch all this time, all this free labor, let me go for a complaint. So they go to the Department of Labor, file a complaint. And then all this 30 minutes you haven't paid for them, all that adds up, right? And so I pay them all this overtime back. And, and they always usually take the, the side of the, of the employee complaining, right? Because they're like, okay, this person is complaining about us. Like most employees don't complain about this kind of stuff. So it must mm-hmm. be true, right? Mm-hmm. And when they come to your office to inspect you, they're going to look at everything, right? They're not saying yeah. they expect, look at the employee timesheets. Like, everything comes, like, because they're like, if you did this one thing wrong, you probably do everything wrong. And the more stuff you can find wrong, you did, the bigger the fine, right? And, and so you got to be very careful about that kind of stuff. That's the biggest thing that people get, you know? And a lot of it's just not knowing what you don't know or don't know, right? Like, and Absolutely. Some things, but, but not knowing is an excuse to no. get out of a fine, you know? No. And, and some of you think it's common sense. Like, I had one friend at a company in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. He was going to hire someone in California. And I had to prove to him that he could not pay the person in California seven twenty five. Like my headquarters in Dallas, that's what we're based off, right? No, it's based off the location of your people, right? And, and so a lot of people don't that know that. And it just and then all the laws change all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the good thing and bad thing they change all the time, but ninety five percent of the time they change in January because all the laws get passed the year before and it goes into effect in January, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all these like all these new letters you can sign up for this, like Department of Labor, EO, EEO, OSHA. And of course, there's the federal, state, city, you know, it's a lot to keep track of, right? Mm-hmm. Which is another thing we can do for you too when you do your handbooks. We can like, give you updates and change your handbooks for you to stuff change it, right? Nice. So, all right, let's scare some fa- startup founders a little bit. Like, what, okay. what's the scope of some of the fines that are out there? Like, what are the lawsuit amounts that you've seen that from a mishandled yeah. HR complaint? Yeah, so recently there was a car wash, I want to say in Birmingham, Alabama, they had to pay a $125,000 fine because they were able to prove that the, 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 the black guy working, when someone came in, the white person came in, the black person would train him, and then that white person would become a supervisor, even though, even though black person had been there like way longer, right? Uh, there was a discrimination lawsuit where um, someone was, um, had a, they had a um, nerve damage to the left hand, they passed a physical, the supervisor said, oh, you, have, you have a disability, I'm going to fire you, right? So if they fired him, they said they couldn't do the job, you know, stuff like that. It goes on all the time. I think that's a $225,000 fine. Another fine was um, someone got hired to do the Zoom video, videos, right? Zoom calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they hired this person. And she was like three months pregnant at the time she got hired. The time they actually started working, like eight months. Like, oh, because like a six-month layoff, something, something happened where they didn't start working. I don't remember. 
but eight months pregnant, oh, you're, you're pregnant, you know, you can't do no good. Like you're, you're fired, right? So those kind of things start happening, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me, right? And it's like, it's, yeah. And then like, so it's a lot of lawsuits out there, unfortunately, right? A lot has to do with discrimination, just people doing stupid things, just, and you and you read it, you're like, are you kidding me right now? Like, and, and the lawsuit, there's really no rhyme or reason. I, I don't know how they pick the, the money, how they charge. A lot of lawsuits lawsuit come to the Department of Labor or Equal Opportunity Commission. I think they pick 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 the price they want, and then the judge decides. Got it. And and then even if you don't, even if you win your lawsuit, you're still in 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 like in the legal land. You know, ABC Towing was sued by the U.S. government because X Y Z, right? And is that really what you want out there? I was going to say all not knowledge. Not exactly what you want when somebody googles your your company, right? No. <laughs> Cause I have, a, I, I got, I get email every time that happens, right? And I'll, I'll send you, uh-huh. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. Every day I get email from some company getting sued, you know, for X amount of money because they did this or did that or where the case be or hiring practices, you know. So let's contrast that with Cabinet HR, because uh, you are signing people up right now for your beta, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, correct. and then uh, and the pricing for that right now. You can so put it in the if, show notes if you're not comfortable yeah. saying, but <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll say it. Um, so one to 10 is $200 a month. And it's, it's like, it's not $200 per employee. It's $200 all 10 of them or however you have. Then 11 to 19 is $300 a month. 20 to 34 is 400 and 35 to 49 is 500, I believe. So two, three, four, and five. And that price is going to probably at least double once you get out of beta, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Because you, you think about now, just yeah. one lawsuit at two hundred thousand yeah. dollars, that's a lot of months. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the bad press that you don't need. So. No, no, you don't. Yeah. Collecting, you know, the picture you're hiring people. You're trying to hire people, and they Google your company. You know, ABC Tone has been sued six times the last two years for you know hiring discrimination, right? Yeah, and then and then your hiring becomes that much more difficult too. Yes. So what have you found to be the, the toughest part of launching your beta? Oh man, this has got to sound real negative, but like, so, you know, you know, we both give value, do things to different people. This seems like, and this is my perception, like the people you think would like sign up for the beta, like right away, oh man, Jason, we want to support you. We're here for you. They really don't. Mm-hmm. And people are like, is some random dude, like you maybe talk to once in five years. Hey, I want to sign up for your beta, right? And it was, it was a disconnect, right? Like, mm-hmm. like example, like someone told me one time he started a business. He would ask all his family, like sign up to follow me on Instagram. None of them did. Oh, if I got to do it. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not used to telling you to buy anything. Just follow me on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we're doing the beta. It's, just, it's always, you know, just sign up, deal, like, sign up for the beta. Sign me up for 30 minutes, right? It's, it's a hard ask. Like, perfect example, uh, I think it was HubSpot did a webinar a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the guy said it was taking them like 15 touches to have some people sign up for the free stuff. So like 15 touches to sign up for a free, web, free HubSpot or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. And so it takes a lot of touches. So if you're an entrepreneur, you got to realize you're going to have to ask a lot of times, right? Like dozens of times. And they're going to say, no, sometimes I got to wear them down. Some, someone's going to say, stop bothering me. This is spam, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't do waste that, right? I mean, I, th- I think like this, talking about email open rates, like, like if you get 30%, it's like, that's like golden, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, the, the beta is definitely a challenge, right? It's well, and and I think that the irony of needing fifteen touches in that example, right, is that a lot of 
those touches will not be remembered by that no. person at all. No. You no. know, they, they won't remember it until <laughs> way down the line, but every now and then, like you said, you will get the person that does remember it for yeah. whatever reason. And they're the person that's saying, Oh, you're spamming me because you know, and you're like, well, the other 99 people out of a hundred don't even remember. That I, I know 13 uh, times. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely, that's definitely a good point. Right. Definitely a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I tell you, as you know, this, you gotta, you gotta get used to hearing no all the time, you know? And another thing, like people say, you know, when you hear no, don't take it personal. You know, they say don't like your product. Don't, don't take it personal. Like how can you not take it personal? Right. I mean, you've worked on your baby for so long. Right. And so it's like going up to a new mom and being like, Oh, you had a baby. Oh, your baby's really ugly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> no, no one's going to hold your baby. Like your baby's right? going to be going to die old and alone. Cause no one's going to want to have, you know, get married. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Why, why can't your baby do all this other stuff that other babies can do? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. This other baby do everything like this and it's, uh -huh. and it's free. Right. This baby is already able to walk and talk and you're like, okay, but. <laughs> well, that baby's two. Mine's like two weeks. Yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like an excuse to me. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me right now? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so it's what, definitely a challenge. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What, what have you found that people love most about Kavanaugh's HR so far? I think they love like the personal response. Like, cause like when you contact us, us contact us, we're going to respond like pretty quickly. Like, for example, I have a cousin who owns a company in San Antonio. And I think she's, she has like 200 people work for her now, maybe 150. She has like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. If we first started, I think she used the ADPR Trinet. And like, she would like call them or email them. They would reply like in two weeks. You know, we're going to reply within the same day, usually, you know. And all of that was based on location and industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you're at like a you know, restaurant in Dallas, it's going to be based on, on Dallas. Another thing we do differently too is like for most HR companies in California, all the HR people are in California, right? Of course, it doesn't really matter with Google. Maybe it does, maybe not. But if you're in like, you know, Portland, Oregon, do you want to deal with someone from California taking care of your HR? So our plan is to have an HR person at least in the same location, right? So mm. at least at times, same time zone, same industry, those kind of things. So basically like more personalized, more tailored HR based on you and your company and what you want to do. Love that. That's great. That's exciting. So again, like how do people sign up for your beta right now? So there's several ways. Of course, they can email me at jasoncabinets at kevinstage.com. They can text me at 803-360-8457 or just go to the website at www.kevinstage.com. So, so a lot of ways. And, and you you'll know, put this in the show notes so that somebody can just yes. click on it and be off and running, right? Yes. And, yes, and so what are you most excited about? Like as you're getting started, what are you most pumped about for, for your beta launch and your company? So. A lot of people don't know this, but um, so according to SBA, SBA again, small business loses $27 million or $10,000 per small business employee, right? So we figure if you have 10 people you come, you're losing like $100,000 a year. And that's because, you know, wow. different HR stuff. And then it's also estimated that small business owners spend 25% of the time at HR. Time better okay. spent taking care of your people, your customers, and, you know, you're building your company. So we're really excited about helping small business owners save time and money on HR. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then you also have your podcast, right? Which yes, this is yes. going to be on, right? Jason Kavanaugh's yes. on the Jason Kavanaugh's experience. What, what made you start the podcast? How did that come about? So the podcast is definitely been a journey. A lot, definitely a lot of pips in the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I started like, the podcast used to be the Kevin's HR podcast, right? It's supposed to be a marketing tool for Kevin's HR. 
quick 30 minute podcast. I talked to HR people. And of course, you know, it, you know, back then, I, you know, of course, any podcast, go the first like it's like, man, what was I doing back? This is horrible, right? <laughs> I had a lot of lessons learned. And one thing I learned is like 30 minutes is not enough to have a good conversation, right? It's always felt rushed, you know, like, yeah, always felt rushed. And so I pivoted to the Jason Cabinet experience, which was like more like a long, longer form content podcast, uh-huh. right? And when I first saw the podcast, I was talking to HR people and, and the, the light bulb dean, why are you talking to HR people for? Are they going to buy HR from you? Probably not, right? <laughs> you know, ding, 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 you know? You know, I, I was trying to like, you know, position myself as HR expert, you know, talk to the HR experts, right? HR people, right? Yeah. Well, they're not going to buy it from me. So let me talk to small. Then I did a pivot, like the Jason Cameron's experience. Where I talked to like uh, small business owners, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, and other interesting people, right? So it's kind of like definitely a big shift. And, and like so, the, so the shift that you made, it sounds like, is really going from talking about HR to talking to the colleagues of potential clients. Yes, definitely. You know, talking about how they, they're talking about the entrepreneurial journey, what they're doing, how they're building the business and all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we rarely, rarely talk about HR on the podcast. You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We often talk about hiring sometimes or, or, or like, you know, professional development, the kind of stuff. But I definitely don't want, I don't want to be like a hard HR sell podcast, right? Because like, I've been on podcasts, you know, where like, the podcast for 30 minutes and the other and the get and the host talked like 27 minutes about the company, right? So I, I did not want I did not want to do that, right? <laughs> uh, I want like, you know, to give, it's give, like, not give an these, hour of uh, no. go by Kavnas HR. Go by no. Kavnas HR. Go yeah. by <laughs> No. I don't I don't want to I did not want to do that. Yeah, I want to put like give like all, all the entrepreneurs like a platform like to spread the message, so to speak, sure. right? Absolutely. And because I you know I get advantage advantage of I do like most of my podcast, like was like two hours. Mm-hmm. So I release a podcast. Um so I have access to LinkedIn Live and the LinkedIn newsletter. So when I release a podcast, like on a Monday, mm-hmm. I do a LinkedIn article. That LinkedIn article usually gets like around 2,000 views on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll take the podcast and I'll break it down like 10 minutes and 10 minute and like three minute snippets. Yeah. So 10 minute snippets I put on, on LinkedIn IGTV and I'll tag the people on there. So I'll be back at the top of the mind. Oh, uh, man, I forgot to do a podcast with Jason. What's Jason doing, right? You know, those kind of things, right? Absolutely. So I can look at myself in the mercy, I'm giving value to the community, so to speak. And how many guests have you had on your podcast? So I've had like around 230 podcasts so far, I think. I got to check the number again. Of course, some of them are done twice. Okay. So yeah, I've, I've had a lot, a lot of people and a lot of interesting guests. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so you have your podcast, you have your startup, you have your family. How are you balancing all of that? To be honest, I I, I, I kind of suck at that, right? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I do. So I do my best, like take it, like two hours a week and go somewhere, like maybe have a beer or do something like non Kevin's HR related. But it, it's always been hard, right? So one challenge to me, like, if I feel like I take a day off, when I come back, I feel so discombobulated. I feel so behind, so like, like out of sorts, right? But mm-hmm. then, like, you can't go, go, go all the time. You get burnt out, right? So I got to find a build up balance. And part of like just having priorities, right? And another thing, I try to run through my calendar as much as I can, but sometimes I'll be doing stuff and something pops up. Okay, let me keep, put this in the hole. Let me do this other thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, but you have to make yourself, you know, take breaks where the case may be. And, and maybe just like going somewhere for, for a beer or take a walk outside. But, but it's, it's definitely a challenge. Of course, that you know, like, if you have a hundred things to do, it's like all hundred things to do on, 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 on Monday. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like three days, like, Oh man, my schedule is pretty easy. You're old. <laughs> then you realize, Oh crap. I'm supposed to be doing this, 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 and this, you know? Yeah. 
it's, so it's, it's definitely a challenge and people do different things right mm-hmm. like you know like of course you know elon musk famously works 100 hours a week you know does he do, do or not i don't know have a friend he works like 21 days in a row and takes three days off mm-hmm. and so i think what's the best works best for you and for your, for your, for your family right absolutely like, for example i'm, I'm married I, I work in in downtown seattle it takes me like 40 minutes to get home on the train right Mm-hmm. I can tell you there's plenty of times I was like, if I was single, I would just pull an all nighter and stay my office, like work my office like two, three days in a row, right? Yeah. However, I know if I call the wife, hey, I'm gonna spend the night in office, like, are you really gonna spend the night in downtown Seattle? Are you really are you really doing that? Are you are you kidding me right now? So I don't have the conversation, right? Let me, yeah. you know, oh man, it's six o'clock, let me go kick the six thirty train, right? So kinda kinda like for me, that's my forcing function to leave usually, you know. Which mm-hmm. is a, it's, it's a good thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can easily get burnt out otherwise. But how, what are your tips for not getting burnt out? I think the biggest thing is to listen to, your, to yourself, listen to your body, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always time you got to push through, suck it up, so to speak. But I think your body's going to tell you when it's time to slow down, right? Your body's going to tell you, like, your eyes must, hey, your eyes might get really blurry and like bloodshot, like, you know, like, you know how, how your eyes feel like you look at the screen too long? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think your body tells you. And a lot of people don't listen to what the body sounds right. And like maybe those women that like show up at the hospital and with cramps yes. and they walk yes. out with a baby and you're like, how are you that out of touch with your body? <laughs> exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah. And even some of the stuff like, you know, get up, you know, maybe schedule yourself when you get up and walk around your office, you build like, mm-hmm. like once a day or something. No, it give you a lot of things you can do. Right. And, but you definitely got to get, you know, as entrepreneurs are always in the tree, so to speak, you can't, what's the word? You can't see the forest because of trees. Sometimes you get out, out out above yourself and look at the big picture, right? You can't be in the reeds all the time, right? And mm-hmm. that's where you like, maybe you talk to someone who doesn't know anything about your business, about your business, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tricks out there. Well, and you know, there's a lot of things that they say about if you, if you are always working, then your innovation goes way down because your brain oh, yeah. doesn't have a chance to kind of take a breather and, and be able to expand and be able to think about things that, you know, are creative and, and different. Yeah. And all the stats prove that all the stats prove that even a small break every day, like doubles your, your productivity and innovation and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you find that taking the train really helps that? It does. Cause the train has the internet. So I, I, I could work on, work on the train, you know, do stuff on there. Other times I'll just like, turn everything off, look out the window, you know? So mm-hmm. of course, you know, I listen to podcasts sometimes. So I, I do my best to make good use of train time. All right. So other than the Jason Kavnis experience, what's your favorite podcast? I have quite a few. There's one, uh, it's called the business infrastructure podcast by Alicia Butler-Pierre. If you talk about how you improve your profit by, you know, intimately like business operations or processes in your small business. Now, most small business owners, like they're running, running, running no process. She helps you set up processes. Uh, there's a podcast by a guy named Lex Friedman. Um, He's like a physicist, AI person out of Austin. He, he interviews a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. Think about, about Lex, he interviews this, all kinds of people. Like he had a, his last podcast, he interviewed a guy who's the, uh, what's it called? The um, arm wrestling champion of the United States, right? So different people like that. Of course, no Gary, the Gary V uh, podcast is pretty good. Uh, I listened to David Metz's podcast. We were, on, we were both on his two minute drill. He has a good mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I like Joe Rogan. He's like controversial right now, but Joe Rogan has a lot of good guests on there. Like a, different views on this. I like his too. I mean, There's a lot of good podcasts out there, you know? Yeah. That sounds like quite a lot. <laughs> I don't know how you keep up with all of them, honestly. Uh, I, I don't. What I do, <laughs> like, I'll look like maybe once a day and I tag, okay, David Mister talking about this. 
I've seen her talk about that before, so I want to listen to that. Oh, he's talking about this. I'll listen to that. Or, and a lot of Gary V's these podcasts, like, like pretty much the same thing over again. So I don't listen to those as much, you know. Do you listen right to them on on uh, double speed or single speed? Everybody has their preference. I'm always curious. It, 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 it just it just depends. Like like I listen to Tim Ferriss sometimes. I definitely listen to Tim Ferriss double speed because Tim Ferriss talks, talks kind of slow. Mm-hmm. So I definitely listen to Tim Ferriss double speed. It just depends. But honestly, sometimes I forget you can even do double speed. Honest with you. So I, need, I, need, I need to start doing that more often, right? Watch twice as many podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> what have you found is the most challenging thing about, about your podcast? Oh, man. So this is kind of crazy. So my, I've been on podcasts. These are the one or two extreme. Either one extreme is like, man, I only have two podcasts in this queue. I got to get some more guests because I'm running a podcast. Or, oh, my goodness, I haven't done a podcast for six months. I don't have to do any. You know, so it's always like I've never been. It's always like some some kind of extreme, right? Uh-huh. Either too many, way way too many, or not enough, right? Yeah. Where do you tend to find your podcast guests? Um, through LinkedIn usually. So what I'm doing now is um, I, I'm connecting like like three thousand people in Seattle. So I'm going to my LinkedIn Seattle list. I send like eight eight messages a week. Hey, I have a podcast, Balaze Balaze. Do you want to be on it? Of course, you know, I I kind of like qualify. You know, if they're like a VP of um. Microsoft, you know, I probably don't reach out to them. I try to make the, the it's entrepreneurs or stuff like that, you know, small business owners mm-hmm. or something that helps small business owners, entrepreneurs out, someone interesting, you know, yeah, because of story to tell. If you could interview anyone on your podcast, who would it be? Oh, man. Um, of course, the, I think everyone would say Elon Musk, right? That'd okay. be the mess. So Elon, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan. But who would I want? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I would say Gary Vee, but of course, no, Gary Vee would, would, would take over the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't have to do any work. Just, you know, show up and talk for however. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And plus, like, so, like, it's like, you people, who's your perfect, like, guest, right? So, is your perfect guest someone's going to help you, like, build your business? Is someone who's going to tell a good story, you know, like, someone who can bring value to the audience? Like, who, who would be the perfect guest, right? So, it's mm-hmm. kind of complicated, right? Yeah. And then again, like, you might have someone, like, pose, like, you know, Elon Musk came to your podcast. Is Elon Musk really going to spend two hours on, on the Jason Kevin experience? Maybe, maybe not. What if he only gives you 10 minutes? Is that 10 mm-hmm. minutes worth having Elon Musk in your podcast? I mean, it probably is, right? I mean, like, so it, that goes I mean, if you have the right questions teed up, yeah. then I think the answer is yes, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great people out there that you know, I don't want to talk to you, right? That's, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, who wouldn't love to have Sakil O'Neill on the podcast, right? <laughs> He's yeah. fun loving, you know, good natured uh-huh. guy, you know. Absolutely. All right. So ha- now that we're uh, however long into this pandemic and, it, you know, people talked about return to work and then they change it to return to office. Right. But at this point, it seems like remote work is is pretty well here to stay. How does that shift HR? How does that shift the conversation? Does that shift anything for Kavnis HR? I'm, I'm a, I really don't think it does, right? Cause like, like one one thing I'll say all the time, like if someone was a was a bad manager, bad boss in person, they're gonna be a bad person, bad boss every more, right? So HR just has to train them off, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you know, now one thing about remote work, like everyone's for remote work, right? But you have to have some kind of way to make sure people can do remote work, right? remote work. Like me, I'm not a remote, good remote worker, right? If I if I'm working from home. I'm watching TV. I'm eating three, four meals a day. I'm taking naps. You know, I'm not the best work worker. So me, I'm more of a hybrid person. I have to be, be somewhere, right? Sure. And so you got to make sure we can work remotely. Um, 
another thing, of course, you know, some jobs, I think one thing companies got to deal with too, like suppose you have, suppose you have a construction company, right? Of course, all your construction workers have to be outside, you know, building a house, all that kind of stuff, right? Now, if all your, you know, inside people say like admin people, they say, hey, we want to work, work remotely, work, work remotely, right? Well, it's true they work remotely, but is it really fair to have them work, work remotely when uh, no other, no other, other people can? But then again, you know, the kind of argument, you know, these construction workers are probably making big money, way more money than the more, we more workers are, right? Yeah. And so how do you balance all that stuff, right? And try to be fair or equal, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge, right? But I, I think remote work is here to stay, right? I mean, stats show beyond a shadow of doubt that people work remotely, work just as good, not even better as in, in office, right? Well, for many of them, they're saving a lot of commute oh, time, yeah. right? So even if they're not quite as efficient during the day, if they're working an extra hour, hour and a half, because they're not commuting, well, yeah. you may, you yeah, know, maybe you're getting the same amount of work or even more out of them, you know? And that's, that's so that too, you know, people actually work more at home versus in the office, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's now coming off. You're working 40 hours in the office. You're probably only actually really doing real work 15, 20 hours a day, right? Because like... John Bob's coming by. How was your weekend? Blase, blase, blase. You, you, you're on Facebook, you know, you're walking around, you know. Oh, your hour lunch turned to hour 20 minute lunch, right? It's, you're not really doing any work right, you know. And then people will say, oh, we want to be in person because of collaboration. My pushback on that is like, if all these software developers, designers, tech people, mm-hmm. have to figure out how to work collaborative in all parts of the world, everyone else can too, right? All the tools are out there, right? All the mm-hmm. tools are out there, whether it be Slack, Asana, Figma, you know, Zoom, there's too many tools, you know, and it does. Do you miss something like being in person? And of course you do, right? There's nothing like being in person, right? But is like being in person really worth all the stuff, you know? Is it worth me driving an hour to work in a car? You know, mm-hmm. is it, do, do you really need me to see eyes on me every day so you get, so you get an ego boost, you know? Mm-hmm. Another thing too, this remote work did, I think it really did, and people are talking about, they're like, how this remote work is proven, like a lot of these middle managers are not really needed, right? Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of these managers, they're there like you no know, supervise you, you know, in person, right? Well, they're not supervising you at home, right? They're not, you know, well, hopefully they're not, you know, on, on the Zoom, watching over Zoom, you know, eight to five. There right? are companies that do that, though. I, I know, which is like all kind of jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're, actually, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, okay. like, what what are these middle managers really doing right now? Do they really have a function? So maybe these companies save money by cutting out the middle manager, right? So, so I don't know. And another thing about remote work, talking about, you know, the, um, the, the, the spine, so to speak, like what is remote work, right? Cause remote work we did was not the remote work that we wanted, right? Cause like remote work was like go home, wake up in your pajamas, you know, do some work around the house, do some reports. It was not, you know, babysit your grandparents, you know, make sure your kids get a cover shot, you know, talk to your teacher once a day, figure out why your kids aren't doing homework, you know, but on and on and on, right. You know, that was not yeah. the remote work we signed up for, right? So this remote work was like remote work plus, right? And what is remote work? Is remote work? Is remote work uh, is it like you can work anywhere in the world you want to? Or is remote work right? Is remote work okay? We're we're, we're um, the company's headquarters in Portland. You have to live an hour, at least an hour from Portland, in case you come back to office. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's remote work, right? Mm-hmm. Is remote work like being at your within your house nine to five every day in case they email you'll call you right? So those kind of things too. Yeah. Someone, someone did a post on LinkedIn the other day and it was like, you know, if you want people to come back to the office, you should be doing these things. You should like, and he broke it down. Like you should reimburse them for gas. You should, every time they need time off to go take the kid to the doctor, don't ask no questions, right? Everything's, everything's mm-hmm. do at, house, at the house. 
they should be doing from the office if you don't want to watch over them that badly, right? Which mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, you know? No, and, not at all. And, yeah, and another thing about remote work, it, it works both ways, right? So if you're employing and you're working remotely, I'm not saying like, you know, if your supervisor calls you at 9.01 a.m. to answer them back at 9.02 a.m., but if someone reached out to you like at 9 a.m. in the morning, you should probably reach back at least before the end of the day, right? And, and you know, like the responsiveness works both ways, I think. Yeah. Well, and and I think there is a much higher level of expectation about responsiveness yeah. in today's connected world yeah, yeah, than there really used mean? to yeah. be, right? I was thinking about that. You know, you think about back in the 1800s and you wanted to, you know, communicate with somebody that's a hundred miles away, you're handwriting a letter and you're putting it in an envelope. And then who knows how long it takes to get a hundred miles away. And then that person has to get your letter, write out a handwritten response. And then it takes however long to get back. And and today, right. We have these computers in our pocket and, (laughs) and everything is instant. And, and so the expectation has suddenly become that the response is going to be instant too, which has its pros and cons for sure. Yeah, I'll take even a, even a better step. Remember, when the Roman Empire was ruling the world, mm-hmm. you know, they ruled like, you know, suppose they're in Rome, they, they need to send a letter to a, a communication to a general in Britain, right? I can't imagine how many days it took to get communication like Rome, to Britain, all that kind of stuff, right? But yeah. now they say it's instantaneous, right? It's like, and I think that's probably you, you build a culture company, right? So like me, what I, what I do, I tell all my people, like, to set the notifications up, right? Because like me, if I get an idea at like 10 the night, and I, I'm wrong for this. I should probably like can do a draft email, but I'm gonna send it right because I forget right. Mm-hmm. So I tell my people like I'm, I'm on 24 seven. You need to make sure you set your notifications where you don't be contact me. Just no, you don't get no, notified right. So I think I'll be up, be upfront about that by that stuff too. You know, your expectations, so to speak. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, I I remember one of the VPs or something of of one of the big companies had a, a little caveat at the bottom of her email where it was like, you know, just because. I work different hours than you yeah. doesn't mean you have to feel obligated to respond yeah. to me. And, and, and actually, I need to add that to mine. I, 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 thanks for reminding me. I mean, I need to add that to mine. Yeah. <laughs> I try a lot of times, especially when I'm sending emails at one in the morning, it's like trying to remember to send later, right? So that it yeah. pops up at, at a more reasonable time. But, but, no, no, but you know, the place like, you know, you know, zone, you know, you're doing stuff, bam, bam, bam. And like, mm-hmm. and then, and then they, they, oh crap, I sort of scheduled that email just at one in the morning, right? Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh well at least they know i'm working <laughs> yeah but it's definitely um, a challenge though yeah but i think remote works here definitely to stay yeah and those always be like the, the the people out there like try to make a comeback you know it's mm-hmm. what what do you see as as the future of hr like what's coming next so with hr like so and this is not based on like age but moral mindset so in hr that's what we call an old hr new hr so old hr is like you'll go to the hr person hey hr person do you know Tom was, was going to quit in marketing? Why do I care? I don't work in marketing. I work in HR. Well, actually, you should care because like, it's part of your job to take care of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Or another example might be, hey, uh, old HR, Susan needs to talk to you, but she can't get until after she gets to work at five. Well, I leave every day at 4.30. I don't know what to tell her, right? So know those kind of things. And then like, you know, try to see food, right? The seafood plant. Mm-hmm. Old HR would never go down the production line, right? Should they, they make everyone come to them. New HR would go down the production line, see, see what's going on, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So there's different mindsets. And probably the big, big example would be like, suppose you have someone working work for you. Don't say Tom works for you, right? 
Tom's been to you for five years, and he's by far the best person, right? I mean, it's not even close. Like, he outshines everyone. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, everyone knows he's the best employer, right? But you have a company policy that says, if someone misses work for three days, like, this misses work, no, 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 does, you have no idea what they're three days, mm-hmm. they, they, I'm going to get fired. So, Tom misses three days of work. Old HR is going to be like, hey, this guy's fired. Like, he needs to go. That's the rules, right? Where new HR is going to be like, okay, do we really want to get rid of a best employee or this arcane policy, right? Like, what are we mm-hmm. doing here, right? And then let's play hit another step. Suppose the boss, hey, man, I know we, we, I messed up having this policy here, you know, firing people after three, day, three days. I didn't realize they do this. But it's my policy, right? I can't, like, pick and choose. I have to follow this policy. New HR will say, okay, boss, you're right. Let's fire him. However, there's nothing saying we can't hire him back the next day with everything being the same, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and, it's, and with compliance, there's some rules you can't, you can't break, right? I mean, this is a law, sure. right? But can you maybe work your way around it, kind of sort of, you know, and go in the gray area and, and, and kind of make things better, you know? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, right? So, old HR is always yes or no, black or right. New HR more like, okay, let's, let's do some more research. Like, let's kind of, kind of figure something out, you know? And really kind of meeting the employees where, where they are, it sounds like. Yes, you know, yes. At, at the place or physical or, or mental where they are. Yeah, and some of the, some of the common sense too, right? Like if your best employee for five years suddenly doesn't come to work for three days, like that's like totally out of the norm, right? So mm-hmm. something must have happened, right? You would think mm-hmm. something's happened because he's, he's never done this before, right? Yeah, Absolutely. So, all right. So what are a couple of things that your audience can do to support you and help you right now? Uh, a couple of things. I'm always looking for great, great podcast guests. Um, okay. So follow, you know, reach on that. Of course, you know, subscribe, rate, and view the Jason Kevin experience on, we're on every, every platform out there. Um, Twitch, YouTube, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, um, sign up for the beta test, you know, for the beta testing, you'd be locked up for beta pricing forever. That'd, that'd be a big help, those two things. And just, you know, just follow me on social media. I'm pretty much all social media platforms. And if somebody doesn't have employees yet, but they have friends that do, what, what can they say to those friends that, to, to encourage them to sign up for the beta? So basically, biggest thing, you know, if you, have, if you have a small company, you know, like I said before, you know, you, you, most small business owners are losing time and money HR, right? And we're going to help you save time and money HR, which should, you know, question three, how more small businesses succeed and, and be better. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a perfect lead in because, you know, I follow you on social and your tagline, be great every day. Uh, talk to me about how that came about. How, what, where did be great every day come from? Yeah. So I first started acting, it was supposed to be like, I think 2014, 2015. And I seen everyone had like these, like, like, like the guy I talked about, Mark, Mark, um, Mark Monroe, his thing was be remarkable, right? But everyone has like these, these things in the six, like be remarkable, be whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I like, man, what can be my mind be, right? It just came to be great every day. And I don't mean like be great every day, like be your best every day, but like, like do something better than that, add some value, right? It can be something as simple like opening the door for someone, right? Or doing a small favor, like, you know, can you really be great every day? No. Probably not. Is that realistic? Probably not. Right. You can't be great every day, but can you do something to make yourself better every day? Make those around you better every day is what it really means. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that a lot of times you pair your be great every day with a, like a sky a or stuff. Yeah. Space. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's yeah. up with the space theme? I've, I've always liked space since I was a little kid, you know? So yeah. I, I have an app called um, astronomy pitch of the day. In fact, every day for like since 1977, there's a different picture that NASA took of some part of space, right? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, just, yeah. 
and and plus it is, it's easy to put it together too right always, yeah. that's always thing too always try to do the easiest thing most you can right absolutely <laughs> all right well what else should what else do you want your audience to know on this episode of the jason kavanis experience with jason kavanis so everyone says that they're gonna there's something they want to do where they start a business learn how to like learn how to like uh, do salsa dancing learn how to code everyone says i want to do this when i have the time well you're never gonna have the time you have to get started now is it gonna suck when you first start of course you know if you're like learn how to code you're not gonna build like a dynamic responsive platform day one right you're not gonna build a multi-million dollar business in one month right we have to get started right mm-hmm. I, I mean i'm sure the same with you if you if you, you we can backtrace everything we've done back to the day we started right how that mm-hmm. and all those things multiply right doing this doing that you, you have to get started and yeah. like we talked about before get started and make make no part of your vocabulary right like so example david mitch has a good good saying word I, i'm making this up but he says like he knows in his mind he has to get a hundred no's to to yes. Mm-hmm. So he'll call somebody to say no, like 99 more to go. Right? You have to have that mindset. Another, another thing, like I said all the time, like expect success. As an entrepreneur in life, failure is going to come find you, right? Failure is everywhere. Everyone expects you to fail. People want you to fail. So it does you no good for you to expect failure too, right? You have to expect success. You have to expect you're going to see it at the end of the day. And, and be patient, right? It's going to take time. Like people don't realize this, but Apple did not become Apple the day Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak met, right? It took them eight right. years, eight hard years for Apple to become Apple, right? Even like with Facebook, you know, I was here did an interview like back in 2007, 2008 when Facebook like first kind of made it. I'll never forget to ask them a question. So Mark, what's it feel like the overnight success? It's like overnight success. Oh, well, I guess we're not going to, we're just going to forget about all the, all the days and years I spent in my dorm room in my parents' basement coding, right? We're going to forget about that, right? So in the same we way we st- forgot about 13 of the 15 touches, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it, everyone's like thinks of the, of the instant success, but it's not, it's very, very uh, rarely it's a success, right? Yeah. It's a hard, hard challenge, hard thing, you know? Absolutely. Another thing, you know, cause another thing too, like you always hear like, you know, on the, on the internet everywhere, you know, this company just raised $15.5 million, you know, or this company raised this, or this company has a thousand customers. You know, you, you shared those, you never heard that. Oh, you know, Aaron, Aaron here, co-founder, you know, stayed up three days, three days straight trying to fix a bug in there in the platform. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't hear all the negative stuff, you know, yeah. Oh, Jason wasn't able to do this or Jason doing this, you know, you don't hear the, the you know, what I call the suck it up or the, or the ankle biter stuff, you know, you don't hear, Oh man, Jason is like struggling for three hours trying to figure out his taxes. Right. Mm-hmm. What is he doing wrong? You know, or this is so many things that you don't see. You always hear the, like I said, the uni- you always hear the unicorn and rainbow stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, being vulnerable and open about the things that don't work well endears you to your audience yes. too. Because you they're human. like, oh, you're human. You make mistakes too. You, you know, messed up or uh, something didn't go your way. And, yeah. and we can all relate yeah. to that because we yeah, all have that. Messes up. Yeah. But, but it's definitely a challenge, right? Another thing, like, you know, like in my mind, only way you can feel as an entrepreneur is you quit, right? Yep. Only way, so you got to kind of. Well, and, and you have to go through some sort of failure to get to success, anyway, right? Yeah. Failure it, it 
it's inevitable. It, it stands between you and success. So. Yeah. And plus, you never know what's going to come up, right? You might have a family emergency and you have to put the business on hold, right? You never know. Mm -hmm. Or like, and I think another thing, too, I think everyone needs to come out with some kind of red line, right? Mm -hmm. Like this happens, you have to stop, right? Now, my red line is actually my wife's red line. Like, I'm not allowed to like, do a, um, what's called, I, I'm not allowed to refinance a house. I'm not allowed to do a line of credit, you know, for no business, right? So that's my red mm -hmm. line from my wife, actually. I think everyone does need a red line, right? You do, for sure. Absolutely. Because like, especially if you do your business and you're like, man, my house really sucks right now. Well, maybe this isn't for you, right? Maybe you need to take a break, you know? You got to listen to yourself too. And there's nothing wrong, like, you know, like maybe you stop doing it for a month and, and recharge and do something else, you know? And also, I, I've talked to a few founders like that, right? Where, where they're just feeling overwhelmed, feeling burnt out, whatever. And it's like, okay, take a breather, <laughs> get some distance, get a chance to get a different perspective on, on what's going on. And do you want to come back to it or do you, do you want to let it go? Right. You have to make a yeah. decision at some point. And I think another challenge being a founder too, is like, you know, trying to convince people to work for you or right? work with you on your dream, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Because like, no matter how much they believe in your dream, if you can't pay them, they're probably leaving four or five months. Right. Cause most people can't afford to be part of your vision until you get it right. You know, so you're going to probably go through a lot of people and you can't take that person either. Right. They, they have bills to pay. Of course. Absolutely. All right. What's one question you always wish someone asked you? Oh man, you asked some pretty good questions. You just <laughs> not doing this for real. You want to ask me? Um, I'm not sure. So, so I guess one question would be like, so since I'm, since I'm introverted and kind of get a quiet kind of shy, people sometimes think I'm not competitive, right? But I'm really, I'm really mm -hmm. competitive, right? I, I'm like, I'm competitive to the bone, so to speak. I'm really competitive, right? So. That might be one misconception. Tell me, tell me a time that you were really competitive and, and how did that, you know, how, how do you think that shaped you? So when my one army job at Fort Lewis, I was an HR director for the, for the, for MP brigade, like MP unit, the MP unit has like maybe 5,000 people. So every year the, so the people for us will come and speak H, HR department like once a year and whoever the best scores, they, they would win like the best HR in, in, in the base. Right. Yeah, so we won that two years in a row, but like Congrats. I really wanted that, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. And one, one thing I'm proud of my military career. So like, when I was a every place I was in the army, like I was a two liter EXO coming to come out of these things. Whatever organization I was with, always recognized as being the best at everything, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of stats? Everyone who worked with me was recognized as being the best, right? So I was like, of course I can't take I can't take someone credit, but people tend to like work better for me, right? If that makes any sense? Absolutely. I, I was like. I, I always believe, and this is kind of bad, you know, but what's the saying? You're the Super Bowl champion or not, you know, that's always been my mantra, right? Either, you know, second place is first loser, those kind of things, you know, it's, is that healthy? Maybe it's probably not that healthy, you know, but yeah. <laughs> you know what though? It, it, if it, the way I see it, if it makes you strive to be better, mm -hmm. then, then it's good. It, if it, if it just makes you feel bad about yourself, maybe yeah. not so much, you know, so. Yeah. And that's the one bad thing about me too, is like, I always draw the negative, like, and the part is with the army, army training too. So the army, they're like, suppose you do 10 things, you had to do 10, 10 things in the army, suppose you did do, do nine things great, but the 10th thing you did, yeah, okay. Well, then they destroyed the one thing you did, yeah, okay, right. And I'm just kind of still the same, right? I do nine things great, that one thing I didn't do well, man, what am I doing, right? And mm -hmm. so somebody get that, that side cycle of like, oh, I'm a failure, I'm this, I'm this, you know, but sometimes you got to break out of that too. So that's one of the challenges I've had, you know. Yeah, that makes sense.
All right. Are there any final words you want to leave your audience with today, Jason? Yeah, I don't know. Every day is a new day, new challenge. You know, make the people around you better. Take, take care of yourself. Take time for yourself. Um, and there's so much information out there, right? I mean, if you want to learn how to do, learn to do something, there's no excuse not you can't do it right. I mean, it's on YouTube, Udemy, all these free things. If you want to learn, I don't care, learn how to paint, draw, if whatever you want to do, you can do it out there, right? There's so much information, right? It's like, it's like the golden age of everything right now. I mean, we're probably, we might be on Mars in 20 years, right? I mean, who knows, right? It's, you can come in and host somebody else's podcast for a day, you know? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. And but I say, like, you know, try to have a positive attitude, try to make those, the people around you better. Absolutely. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the Jason Kavnis experience. No, thank you. And uh, I'm sure everybody will, will be looking forward to the very next podcast where you get to interview someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up.